Thanks for listening to another podcast from C3 Calgary West. Our hope is that this message will equip and inspire your walk with God. For more information about our church and community, check out myc3church.ca. <laughs> Phoenix and the worship team and the families and people who were able to fill in his preaching while I was gone. There's no wrath for going overtime raising money at all, <laughs> ever. It's completely with us. It's not an easy thing to do, talk about money publicly. It's too, so personal. But like anything we do, um, we always need to include a, our, our component of faith. And faith, the Bible says that it's evidence of things not seen. It doesn't say it's evidence of things that are not real. So it has to do with different dimensions. And so while, while we were just we're standing and praying for the families, kind of a, some things that were a little bit unseen, a little bit seen, but uh, the fact is that there is a whole other dimension that's taking place in the hearts and spirits of these young children. And sometimes when you pray for people, actually the Lord gives you uh, insight into their futures. <clears throat> and as parents, I think that we should always be asking the Lord to show us what's ahead for each of these kids <clears throat> and how, why you've designed them. And so we've been away at the conference, and I'll give you some updates on that some other time. I want to get into uh, a, a little bit of scripture today and talk about Thanksgiving. And uh, <clears throat> I think that <clears throat> when we're at, pardon me, but when we're at having our Thanksgiving meals, um, the Bible does talk about, like, don't, things about, you know, um, we should be thankful in all things, what it says. And many times we pray for the things that are on the table rather than who's on the seats. And the idea of having family and having community is a great blessing and a great privilege for us. And so maybe during your Thanksgiving meal, you could just pray for the people on the seats rather than on the table. And it's a great honor to be part of a family. And, and, and family is always God's idea, even in the Lord's Prayer. He starts by, doesn't start... We're instructed to say our Father, not our God. Because the idea of Father, of course, um, that's what God is like. When Jesus came to reveal the Father, it was a great mystery to the Pharisees because they knew him as all these other titles of the all-powerful one and the, the provider. But Father, actually, in Aramaic, it's more like Daddy. And to have an intimate relationship with a living God was a foreign concept. And uh, out of the 200 and some times that the word Father is used in the Bible, it's only used a few times in the Old Testament. It's primarily used in the New Testament because the revelation of Jesus was now we could be part of the family of God, and we could call him our Abba, Daddy, Father, and it's just a profound privilege to be part of the family of God. So um, let me just invite you to take your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Colossians. I think that's where I told the people I was going to start today. Um, Learning to be, I think it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, where it says, this is the will of God for you, um, that in everything give thanks. Followers of Christ should be the most thankful people on the planet. Um, they, it, should, it, should, it should be such an instinctive thing for us that people should look and go, wow, you must be a Christian. Man, I am tonight. I was walking in Memphis. No, they, they should look at you and say, there's something quite unique about you. And I've found some of the most magnetic people on the planet are people who are thankful. 
And we talk about is the cup half empty or the cup half full. The thing is, we should be just thankful we got a cup. So we're not thankful for everything, but in everything we're thankful. This is, this is the will. You wonder, what's the will of God for me? Well, to be thankful. I think it's a secret of a great life. I, I, could only, I, could, I could assume that everybody here wants the same thing. You want a great life. Am I right? You want a great life. If I were to offer you a secret to a great life, it's going to require a little something of you. It's going to require that gratitude and thanksgiving become a lifestyle for you. It, we're told in um, uh, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6. It says, now just as you have accepted Christ Jesus as Lord. So in the same way that you've accepted Christ, the same way you receive Christ, that same way. Continue to live in obedience to him and let your roots go down into him and draw up nourishment from him so that you can grow in faith, strong and vigorous in the truth that you were taught and let your lives overflow with thanksgiving for all that he has done. Let your lives overflow with thanksgiving for all that he has done. What should, what, what should be overflowing out of your life? Thanksgiving. It should be a natural overflow of your relationship with Christ, that you become thankful. I, I would like to propose a moratorium on Instagram and Facebook feeds that project political views and opinions. And use social media simply for encouraging others and being thankful. <laughs> what would that be like? Let's, let's redeem that stuff and let our lives overflow with thanksgiving. I personally believe this is a secret to a great life. He goes further in, um, and, and in Philippians chapter 4. I'll maybe go there right now. First of all, I believe that thankful people are the most peaceful people on the planet. We're told to not worry about anything in verse 6. Instead, pray about everything. How do we pray? Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. I, I have uh, consciously tried to record what my prayers sound like. You might want to try that. And, and then do the ratio and say, how much of that little petition there was just thanksgiving? Because I'm told here that if we'll tell God what we need, that's fine, let him know. It's not a big surprise to him. <clears throat> and then thank him for all that he has done. What if, what if our prayer life was like 50-50, something like that? He says, if you'll do that, if you'll do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand, and his peace will actually guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. Your heart and your mind needs to be guarded. One of the ways we do that is with a relationship with Christ where we're talking to him and we're thanking him for everything that he's done. Uh, <clears throat> the, 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 um, the truth is that we find it hard many times, even impossibly possible, to live honestly because, and honestly, pardon me, in, in our moment, because our minds are punctuated by two things, memory and imagination. Memories of things that have happened to us and imagination by things that we hope will take place. So <clears throat> when I think of that, I think that memory is very possible and memory is actually the only way by which we can be thankful. Throughout the scriptures, over 300 times, we're told to remember. 
There was times where actually they would do things specifically. Once they crossed the Jordan, they got across the Jordan. He says, by the way, make a little pile of stones there because you don't want to forget what God has brought you through. I kind of wonder if the happiest people are the most thankful or the most thankful people are the happiest. I wonder. But maybe instead of complaining about our problems, we could begin thanking the Lord for the problems that we don't have. <laughs> what about that? Well... I think it's important that we be thankful. Um, meditation is, is imagining something until it feels like it's real in our present moment. The wild thing is that our bodies can actually become addicted to negative memories. And whenever you remember something, you don't remember it exactly as it is, but you remember it as the way that you remembered it the last time. And each time we remember a trauma, it usually has, has, uh, it gets a little bit bigger. It's called the law of magnification. But you focus on magnifies. We're meant to magnify the Lord, not our issues. But as we remember them, they can actually, things can start to get bigger. And your, your body doesn't know the difference between a trauma and the memory of a trauma. And it'll actually release the adrenaline and the cortisol and all the hormones, the same as when that trauma took place, unless you travel back and are able to redeem those traumas, which we are able to do and ask the Lord to show us, Lord, where were you? And, 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 and thank you that it didn't go any further than that. Or somehow get back onto your timeline. And rather than that, that, that those things come back and keep you from moving forward, allow the Lord to come back with you into those places and redeem those traumas and experiences. He can do that. Thanksgiving is the power to transform your past. And allows you to look back and redeem it. I think this is part of what Paul meant in Romans chapter 1. One of my favorite chapters. He reminded the Romans, he says in verse 21, it says, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And the result was that they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. Without gratitude and thanksgiving, you'll start to make up ideas like, oh, he created that problem for me, rather than he was trying to prevent you from ending up in there. <laughs> And as they began to think of foolish ideas with what God was like, the result was their minds became dark and confused. If we are, when we stop worshiping and thanking, our thought processes become dark and confused. That's profound. I think that thankful people have the clearest thinking and the most renewed minds. Because they've been able to look at life and look at the situations that they've been through. And rather than having dark and confused minds, they bring light and order to their life. This is a, this is a bit of work, I know. But I believe it's very possible. The result of a renewed mind is you become incredibly thankful. This is, in, in, a, in, a, in a cappuccino culture that's so consumed with self-fulfillment, I'm inviting us to self-discipline. And rather than letting our thinking get sloppy, we let our thinking become filled with gratitude and light and love and the promises and the purposes of God that we can become those type of people whose lives overflow with thanksgiving. That's my hope. That's my prayer. The result of a renewed mind. Um, I love how <clears throat> when Jesus in Luke chapter 15, it's one of those stories that, that create... Um, um, very clear picture for me of what Jesus was like. It said that while he was teaching, he saw a woman. And now it seems like a small thing. 
But he didn't just see a woman. He saw a woman who had been bent down by an evil spirit for 18 years. I always love when the Bible becomes specific. 18 years. What's 18 years mean? It means 18 years. That's like a whole lifetime if you're 18 years old. <laughs> but here's what, here's what, he didn't just see a woman because then he got into the, the, the dialogue with the Pharisees. They said, well, you know, you shouldn't be healing because it's not part of the policy. Jesus went past policy went because he was in love with people. And he looked at her and he said, cast the evil spirit out. And for the first time when she walked at that meeting, she was able to look at people eye to eye. Because he didn't just see a woman. He says, this daughter of Abraham. He says, she's part of the people of promise. You be, we can be thankful for health that we have. But you need to be helpful for the inheritance that you have as well. As a son or daughter of the most high God. I love that. Point number one was thankful people are peaceful people. Thankful people have clear or renewed minds. Point number three is thankful people have powerful prayers. I love in Colossians chapter 1, it says, whenever we pray, we always thank the Lord for you. Whenever you pray, you know, your spouse or your family, I mean, I don't know what your list is like, but is the first thing gratitude? I, I've thought, um, you know, back when the, when the kids were kids, I wondered, how do we teach our kids to be just thankful people? I found that, I found that blackmail works extremely well. <laughs> you you're not eating until you say thanks. You <laughs> starve them out. <laughs> it's a really, it's a hard thing to do. But like I said earlier, people, the children rarely do what we say. They do what we do. If your house is filled with gratitude and thanksgiving, you want to know what kind of a kids you're going to have? Kids that are grateful and thankful. Whenever I, when, so when I started to pray, and they would know at their, as we pray, you'll hear as my son pray, the first thing he does is say, thank you, Lord. And, it was, and I think it was because um, I realized how much I needed the Lord. And rather than come to him in a place of begging, I would come to him out of a place of gratitude. Prayer, prayer by, in its essence, is persuasion. But if you're not careful, you'll think you have to persuade God. God doesn't need persuading. He's purchased everything for you in the cross. You know what needs, who needs persuading is you and I. It's our hearts. And, 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 it's a, and it's a big thing. Are you getting, just simply being thankful for where the Lord has placed you and how he's created you and those sort of things. These are, these are powerful truths that can reframe your world. Paul said in, in, this, in Colossians there, he said, uh, every time we think of you, pray for you. And in chapter 3, um, uh, in verse 15 there, he says, you know, about um, for one members of one body, you're called to live in peace. Always be thankful. In the next verse, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankful hearts. In the next 17, whatever you do or say, let it be a representation of the Lord Jesus in all things, giving thanks, really. This, this is who we are. And then chapter 4 and verse 2, he says, devote yourself to prayer. Oh, good. With an alert mind and a thankful heart. Is your prayer life punctuated by an alert mind and a thankful heart? That's quite a thing, because, because in, I think Psalms uh, 95 and Psalms 100, 100, it talks about entering his gates with thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever thought of gratitude as a door opener? I don't do job interviews. We don't hire people. You've got to really, 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 really want to work in a church. 
It's insane. <laughs> but if I ever had to do interviews with people, I'd, li I'd listen for their language. And I'd listen, are you going to be a grumbler? Are you going to look for all the things that are off and wrong here? Or are you going to create an environment that's magnetic and attractive and healthy? I want to know, are you, do you have a thankful heart? I'm glad you got a, an alert mind and you have an MBA and you're able to do all this stuff. But I want to know, are you thankful? Because if not, we'll create a culture of grumbling. That's destructive. That's dangerous. That kept people out of the land of promise. <laughs> I want to know, do you have, think of, just think, is it, what, what if Thanksgiving is a highway? What if, and you're wondering, why isn't this happening? Why isn't this happening? How about giving thanks for something and watch honor and grace and provision flow down that highway? What if that's the case? What if gratitude would be a highway? That it's a door opener and all those doors that have closed on you, maybe you need to say, thank you, Lord, for closing that door. And thank you that there's going to be a better one open up for me. How about that? That might be called faith. That, you, you, that, the, that the best is yet to come. We are people of faith. An alert mind and a thankful heart. Point number four, and this is a real powerful one, I think. And it's more, more of, a, um, a, a, comes out of one of my personal social surveys that are com completely unscientific. Um, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 33, and this weekend we did a wedding for Brie, uh, beautiful Brie. She has now been stolen away to the little island of New Zealand. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, and I like to use these, this in marriage ceremonies. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, and here I, I, I'm just going to submit this to wives on behalf of us guys, and I'm expecting a few guys to shout me down a bit. Thank you. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 33 says, So again I say that each man must love, must love his wife as he loves himself. <laughs> Most guys have a pretty decent relationship with themselves. <clears throat> I can tell it's parked in the driveway. <laughs> I know. And as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Um, I don't mind going on record as saying this. Um, the, the picture of a husband and wife is a picture of Christ in his church. The, the, the marring of marriage in our culture is the marring of the bride of Christ. It was, it was, it, it, this was meant to be an image. He said, for this reason, there's, that, there's logic to this. For this reason, a man leaves his father and mother. Interesting to note that there was not a father and mother yet. There's a prophetic statement to Adam. There's no mother and father. But they would leave their mother and father and be joined to one. The two become one. This was, this was he says, this, this, the splitting of the Adam. <laughs> and the coming back together was the reason, because this now is a full complement of Christ. Of the Godhead. The image of Christ. I think it's a picture of how we should relate in the body as well. As the bride, we should have respect for the groom. And it's all about the groom. Yeah, you're all beautiful, but it's about the groom. The marriage supper of the lamb, not the marriage supper of the bride. <laughs> Revelation 19. So, so one day I set out to discover what respect looked like. And, um, and I think one of the best things I could say to a wife would be, um, from my perspective, my limited perspective, would be one of the best ways you can respect your husband is be thankful for him. Um, um, 
I hear men who feel like they work and work and work and work and are never thanked for their work. They're, they're pointed out the things that they're not doing around the house. You might get those things done a little quicker if you would just say thank you for all the work you put in all week, getting up early and staying up late, providing for this family. Just be thankful. Men are, men are quiet because we don't want to, I don't, know, I don't know why you're quiet, like, <laughs> what the heck? Thank you that you take a little extra time with the kids at night. Thank you that you think ahead about our future and you put some money in an RSP. I think that's one of the best, because your actions always uh, uncover us. Dads, most dads, I have not met a dad who's malicious and evil. They want to do their best for their family. And they don't get that much encouragement and that much affirmation. I, 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 from what I hear, I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty good. And I'm advocating on behalf of men. Don't, when it comes to respect, you don't... <laughs> respect is deserved, not demanded. And, and we need to be respectful as men. But if I could just give a little bit of coaching to wives today, one of the best ways you can respect your husband, just say thank you. That would go a long ways. Am I right, man? Okay, well, it's just my, it's just a little, it's only one point in four. 20. <laughs> I'll tell you, thank you. The, well, one, of the, one of the counterfeits of Thanksgiving, though, is flattery. We don't want flattery. We're not interested in flattery. But we are interested in genuine gratitude. Um, um, <clears throat> and the last thing, what if the first thought in our morning was thank you? Every day to wake up with a thankful heart instead of a grumble in your heart. Um, I believe that the fuel for Thanksgiving is remembrance. If you could just even just say thank you, Lord, for that sleep or that partial sleep or that my wife didn't snore. I don't know. You could, you got to think of something and just wake up. Thank you. I've got energy and I've got a job to go to. Or if not, I've got <laughs> running water. Think of something and just wake up with a thank you in your heart. Um, in an age of entitlement, I submit to you that the opposite spirit of entitlement is gratitude. I love what Chris Valton said this week. He said, the difference between arrogance and confidence is gratitude. I think that's a profound thought. But we live in an age that expects everything to come to them and flow to them. And hey, no, no, I said the double pumps of this and two pumps of that and extra hot and a little bit of this. And oh, there's nothing that foam in my latte. Oh, get over it. Just be thankful you have a flipping coffee. <laughs> okay. That didn't go that well, but um, <laughs> I'm, I'm just wrapping up with this thought, but um, I, I think that um, everybody should have a Romans chapter 16. And when you read through Romans 16, Paul's at the end of this great chapter. And what he does is he thanks, uh, th this to me is like, it's one of my favorite parts of, uh, we watched the Emmys uh, the other week. My favorite part is I want to know who these people are going to thank. They get up and they're, they're accepting speech. Well, I want to thank this, you know, Sony and the Academy or the Emmys or who I want to hear. Oh, oh, I forgot to thank my kids. And of course, well, I just want to thank Jesus. And I want to know who they're thankful for. In books, I always read the, the epilogues and the prologues. And I always read like, you know, this, this was a result of like a thousand people. And uh, I like to read those things. Paul did the same thing. This is like his acceptance speech in Romans chapter 16. 
We should all write a Romans chapter 16 every year, maybe every month. And he says, I just want to make sure you remember like Priscilla and Aquila and Aquinas and, no, not Aquinas, but um, you know, nar narcissist. And there's a whole bunch of people that he thanked, all these Greek people, and he's thanking them all. And, um, and he says, oh, what about Phoebe? You know, we met in her house. And, and don't forget to give greetings to so-and-so. Here, here's what he's saying. He says, this didn't happen just by me. You, you didn't just get here on your own. He, he said, I've got friends along the way that have helped me. You all do. What if you took a little bit of time this afternoon and you said, you know, by the way, that turning point in my life was a result of that small group leader or that coach or that teacher or this person. Or he's, that's, that's Romans chapter 16. He thanks 29 people right away, a couple of unnamed saints, and a, and a few people who have hosted people in their home. Some people have paid a price for you to be here today. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about your families. You know, I'm talking about your friends. I'm talking about people along the way that have either prayed for you or cared for you or hugged you. Or, and now we're meant, since we've been blessed, we're meant to now be a blessing and play that forward. And he takes an entire chapter almost, and he thanks people. And he recalls those that have been in his life, and he says, I appreciate you. He, he had learned a secret of life just to be thankful. Write, write, this is my response this morning. Write a Romans chapter 16. Um, and, and let's use social media to be thankful and be encouraging and be lifting. Uh, you know, every, opinions are just like socks. We all have them, they just smell different. Uh, who, like, I mean, I mean, just be tactful and let people go, hey, these must be followers of Jesus because their lives are overflowing with gratitude. This is not an easy thing to do. You've heard me say it before, that when we're born, we get the face that God gives us, but when we die, we have the face that we've given ourselves. When people look at your face, do they, do they see, I'm thankful? Because what happens when you start to remember and you start to get thankful, your face will change. You'll become radiant. I mean, you know, by the way, those, you people that use like sparkles in your face cream, my wife's awfully saying, who have you been with? And I go, I just hugged the bride. What are you talking about? These sparkles, dang it, they're everywhere. And then you can't wash them off. They get in your... Uh, but I'm thankful for hugs. Not the sparkles in the hugs, but the hugs. And... As we, as we wrap up this morning, I mean, I've said a bunch of stuff. You, you know, here's the message. Like, let's be thankful. Let's, let's use practical ways to, to be thankful. Um, as a body, we actually make a time at the end of every service for people to receive Christ. The greatest thing, I'm, I, the greatest thing that happened in my life, I made a decision one day to accept Christ into my life. And I'm trying to learn to follow him for the rest of my life. It's been the greatest decision I've ever made. If you haven't received Christ this morning as your Savior, you're welcome to. We've got a team. We'll pray for you. If you feel, you know, physically burdened, we can pray for healing. That burden be lifted. We've got a team that's ready. If you feel like you physically need a miracle, almost every Sunday we see healings. Uh, and, and we're just, all, we, all you have to do is admit that you need help. Come up to the front, we'll pray for you and believe God for a healing. It happens all the time. It's fantastic. Just stand with me as we close in prayer. And we're going to let our...
Our prayers begin with thanksgiving. Father, we're thankful today. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.